Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. everyone and welcome to episode two of the Rangers Review. This is a show where some voices from various Rangers fan media get together to have a discussion about all the thing that's been happening to our beloved team. Joining me, David, from Heart and Hand, is as always the wonderful Mr. Stephen Clifford from Four Lads Had a Dream. Hello Stevie. Hi David, how are you? I'm good, you're not. You've you've clambered at your sickbed, you've heroically um Got got up and got out and got ready to to show up. You you you've taken like a painkilling injection to be here this morning. I'd love to say all that was true, but I'm actually still in my sick bed. I'm, <laughs> I'm basically cuddling my laptop, hoping that I get through the next forty five minutes. That's a work ethic we're also proud of on here. That's 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 what it's after. And joining us from his wonderful YouTube channel, it's CJ Novo. Hello, CJ. Hello, mate. We're Stevie's uh, cuddling his laptop and a sick bay. I'm just cuddling it because I've just woke up. Two different yeah. flips of the coin. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's uh, perfectly good. We're recording on a Sunday and then what did God give us International Week Sundays for, if not to sleep? And <laughs> delighted to welcome to the pod, making uh, his debut this month, is Tommy McIntyre from the Tremendous This Is Ibrox podcast. Hello, Tommy. Hi guys, afternoon, and I can't uh, quite conjure up the uh, the image that the guys have managed to paint of their own circumstances. Uh, I'm sitting in a comfy chair, uh, fully dressed, with no bowel issues. So, uh, yeah, there we go, let's crack on. There's no need to boast. Sorry. Oh, Sometimes you just have to lead with your strongest hand. That's, that, uh, that's know, true. It's no bowel from there. Oh, it's uh, going up to Steve and saying, well, my bowel works perfectly today. It's um, <laughs> You'll see that all my bowel movements seem to come from the front end, uh, from the mouth, uh, over the next 45 yeah. minutes, obviously. Yeah. 
Well, luckily, gents, uh, I think that's about as much shite as we'll need to talk about today yeah. because Rangers have been really, really good for the last month. Stevie, we joked when we did this last month saying, my God, this was like a moan-free episode. I dare say that won't last. I certainly didn't think it would last the entire month, but since we last recorded at the start of October, Rangers have been almost perfect with the exception of, of 15 rather rubbish minutes at the end of a match in Benfica. And if that is our biggest moan every month that we come together, that we were a wee bit uh, disappointed that we didn't go and cuff, let's face it, a Champions League side in their own midden after playing them off the park, it's not going to be a bad year, is it? It's really not. Um, I'm almost frightened to kind of say just how well we've, we've been doing because, you know, you don't want to... Um, jinx anything but the the team have been above and beyond the expectations um, I think last time we all tipped them to still be top of the league and um, we tipped them to have done well in Europe but if you had asked us quite how well I'm not sure we would have said um, I think when we left it last time it was exact, more or less exactly a month ago David so we were just coming up obviously to our trip to Celtic Park and that just set us off and the team have been exceptional. Really, really can't speak highly enough of everything they've done. And yeah, they, they had a, a small blip at the end of Benfica, but as you say, um, they were a magnificent side. And, and the way we played that night, some of our football was sublime. So it's not one that I would be getting overly upset about. CG did, you know, we've, we've talked about this, that domestic football for this season is the, the be-all and the end-all for us. And Rangers have just been... I think quietly moving on week after week, taking on all comers, dispatching them pretty tidily, pretty easily, all built from the back. But after a few weeks of saying, well, you know, the attack hasn't been firing the way it can. Not been played badly, but, you know, we've been winning, but it hasn't been doing what it... We see them all get back to form and, and, and that cuffing against Hamilton Ackies. And, it, you know, we're Rangers fans. We've, we've been kicked in the nuts so often the last few years that, that, that we instinctively sort of don't want to get ahead of ourselves. But the, no doubt where we are sitting here today, just looking back over this, this short period, we couldn't really have asked for a hell of a lot more. Absolutely not, mate. And I, I just thought I was I really loved the Hamilton game, not only just because we absolutely destroyed them 8-0, but it was the, the ruthlessness and the, it was almost the, the bullying kind of way the old Rangers teams used to do at Ibrox when a team would come to Ibrox they would just get ran over and I just like that Gerard's trying to bring that back even at three you can hear him screaming four none you can hear Tav grabbing the ball and telling the boys to get back because they want Mayer and Mayer I just like that aggressive ruthless attitude that Stephen Gerrard's clearly put into the players and I think we saw it come in there because the last time Hamilton was at Ibrox we all know what happened so I think that was a wee message to get sent there and to, to right a wrong and we, we certainly did that Tommy as as CJ says, they're one of the things that, that has been impressive with this Rangers team has been, if you like, the focus. Uh, it, it It's something that the manager's spoken about a lot over the last couple of years. And we have seen in patches from this Rangers team, but this feels like the most consistent run that they've put together. I, I don't know if it's something that's quantifiable, I suppose, results are the ultimate, the ultimate arbiter of this, but... They just seem to be carrying themselves differently to me. They seem to have, for want of a better word, almost grown up as a side in terms of things like belief and confidence. Uh, and belief and confidence not only in themselves, but in each other as a team. 
I think you're absolutely, I think you're absolutely right there. Um, and drawing together a, a thread of, of what uh, TG and, and Stevie were saying as well, you know, you look at that block of fixtures, let's say post, but including the old firm game, you know, you've got roughly what 19 scored, three conceded, um, going away to the likes of Parkhead and Liege and stuff like that as well. If you come out that and your only gripe is you know three three with Benfica, uh, and their patch is no bad thing, but you, you're absolutely right. There does seem to be a belief that not only can the squad answer the questions put in front of them from different teams, and I think Stephen Gerrard had, had talked on this as well, but also there is no drop-off in quality when the rotation starts. So when new people are added into the squad, it's still the same slick operation. There's still the same level of quality, and the players are continuing to deliver. And I think that's probably the, the change there. Everybody keeps looking for the, the blip, get the people outside the club. Um, but we've been ruthlessly consistent, if I can kind of bastardise uh, CJ's kind of comment there. And I think that's the difference. It bleeds through into the squad, and it feels like a squad that's really at its its kind of apex in terms of performance right now, and there's no drop-off when new people come into it. I think that's key. I think so too. Uh, I think we, we talked about squad depth, and I think we've, we've done it the last couple of seasons. But for me, Stevie, this is the first time I feel that when we... Uh, that's the first time I feel confident that we can rotate rather than just, well, if he's out, we've got somebody who will do, which is a different thing. Uh, this is the first time since Gerard's been there, and I think he feels the same way, um, given by the, the 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 fact that he's been willing to change for certain matches. I think this is the first time where we can say, well, we can leave him out today to give this other guy a game, but we won't be significantly weakened. No, I think one of the main... Um kind of positions when you look at that as as being probably born a Barisic in terms of if he was missing last season, um then we were all flapping and, and that left side kinda of completely collapsed in terms of what he could offer. But you look at Calvin Bassey coming in, young, fit, hungry, strong, looking, you know, to make an impression. And likewise when Hollander takes a, a break and Balogun comes in or the rotation in midfield has been incredible so yeah there's, there, there hasn't been a drop off and I think that's something maybe Stephen Gerrard is, is a wee bit conscious of a, a possible burnout after you know after Europe does go because that does take a lot out but you know we've been to some incredible places and then and then went to the likes of Kilmarnock and stuff and managed to grind out results but there's something else that I've been impressed about with this side David and it's not in terms of um, you know Yes, they have been ruthless and taking chances and things like that, but I think that the way that they've been able to to game manage, albeit with the exception of, of Benfica, um, situations and, and and not play attacking football in, in, in certain games, but carry out instruction to the absolute letter of law, I think that's been incredible. I'll, I'll cite maybe Celtic Park and then um, the, the first European game as well has been prime examples of how well tactically this side is drilled and set up. And that, to me, dude, could be more impressive than, than going beating Hamilton 8-0 because it's, it's easy to be attacking and open and free-flowing and, and pick teams apart, um, or it should be in, in terms of the quality we have, but it's even more incredible, I think, to, to set them up um, to, for a game plan and to be patient and trusting enough and, and all your teammates and carry that out exactly to the letter um, like we did especially at Celtic Park with the wing backs when they, the full backs when they held in and, 
and we just waited and we picked off and we took our chances and we then went ahead in these games and they're quite comfortable to do their jobs and defend and sit knowing full well that they're going to see out the game and I think that's a, a maturity um, and I'm, I'm going to, yep, CJ, here it comes. <laughs> the evolution of this side again is just growing and growing and getting better and more mature as we go along. Like CJ, <laughs> CJ, if there are if there are players that I do think right now we he is an absolute must, regardless of you know form or whatever. Uh, there are three I would pick out: um, two in the defence, although one we can hardly call a defender, uh, and one attacker, uh, and that's of course James Tavernier, yep. Connor Goldson, and Ryan Kent, mm-hmm. because I think that they do things for the side on top of being good players, and you know. The likes of Balogun and Ellender are excellent defenders. I'm quite happy with them. But Goldson leads that defence. Tavernier leads the side. You can see it. It's not just about his goals and his attack play. But he is the guy. His relentlessness. He, he leads by example. And Kent, because he's the type of guy that even if he's having you know not not his best day, he's yeah. still capable. He still goes looking for the ball. Uh, and I think that he gives the rest of the attack inside a bit of confidence because they know that if we can just stick in this and get the ball to him, he'll do something. What are your thoughts? Are there anyone else you would add to that list or, or any of the three of them you would take out? Well, it's really hard hard to argue with them. I'd almost say they were the staples of the squad so far this season, uh, especially Tavernier. Was he played 20 games, 12 goals, 9 assists. He's a right back. That's terrifying. <laughs> like that, that's, like that, that's a joke. That, that's 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 FIFA numbers. You know what I mean? You'd be happy with that halfway through your actual career mode if you were playing that. Uh, and but this is what he's doing on a consistent level now. And you said Connor Goldsnow, and I think when no fans being there, us being able to hear more of the shouts and the screams and the yells, I think we're really starting to understand just how really vocal Goldsnow is because we heard the likes of Halliday offset when they talked up when he left. Uh, when he left the club, he talked up Goldson. We've heard that before about how vocal Goldson was, but I think now that we can actually hear them shouting and or, almost organising the defence, you can see how important he actually is, and he's been outstanding. I think the fact that we've got two goalkeepers sitting with eight uh, clean sheets each is probably a big, massive thing and an indication of just how well run this team actually is right now. But literally, it goes all the way through the squad. You've got Ryan Jack now coming back looking undroppable, but you've got Kamara looking undroppable, you've got <laughs> you've got Arfield looking undroppable. It's, 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 it's a very good thing to be a Rangers fan because everyone right now is stepping up to the plate and going and getting it when they get a chance. Tommy, it's built on that, isn't it? That, that clean sheet record. and it, it, It's almost been a bit ridiculous that Rangers have achieved this so much and it's clearly something, you know, they talk about it a lot, you hear the, the, the defenders talking about it a lot, that it that matters to them and I think it's quite apparent that it matters to Alan McGregor, but it's an incredible, I mean it, it was pretty special when we started this show a month ago, but for it to have continued the way it has, and it's not just been in terms of goals conceded it's been in terms of shots conceded teams just find it very difficult to play against us the defence has obviously been exceptional, but that does come from the front. You know that 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 comes from not allowing teams to play through you. Uh, and again, it's it's I think testament to the fact that this side plays as a unit. Yeah, yeah. I think that's that's a very very solid take on that. You know, and I'm I think much like every other Rangers fan, very very pleased with this. I'll say iteration instead of evolution, just to be different. Um, this uh, this iteration of Stephen Gerrard's Rangers. And you're right, it goes back to what we were saying earlier as well. Of, you know, There's a comfort in the players that are on the pitch or who are, who are uh, on the bench or coming on. Everybody knows their job. And all of that gets to the, 
to the, the fact that every player knows exactly what they're supposed to be doing and to be in to cover for other players as well. I think the key part that you pick out there, the story inside the story of that uh, clean sheet record run, is the fact that there's so little shots on goal. And we've played some really good teams. This is the fact that you know Rangers, by and large, are choking the life out of teams further up the pitch. We're not getting particularly exposed. And when you consider how we actually set up most of the time with our really attacking fullbacks, it's really unheard of to not be exploited to some extent. But, you know, the only team that managed to, to really do that to any large degree being Benfica, and you would expect them to make some sort of chances. But, yeah, I mean, it's starting to become, you know, it is a bit ridiculous in that. Um, I think, you know, if it's McLaughlin this in or it's McGregor, they, they should be working on their memoir. Uh, whilst they're sitting there because they're not doing much else. That said, to make a, a less flippant point, you also do hear the talking between the goalkeeper, between the back four, between the midfield when they're dropping slightly deep to create the box in front of, let's say, a Golden or a Hellander or a Balogun. But again, you're looking through the squad, just to broaden out your questions slightly, and you're looking at the players who would come in. So if Hellander has a, let's say, his version of Goldson and, and Spartak, um, against Benfica, you've got a Balogun who can come back in there as well. If Bolna goes out, you've got a Bassey who, more importantly than the forward element, actually knows how to defend. You've got Tav playing you know, the best he's ever played. It is a ridiculous challenge for teams, not just in Scotland, but in uh, Europe, to say, OK, we're coming up against not only a team high in confidence, but a really well-drilled and well-strategised um, team that know their positions, and we have to try and break them down. And Rangers aren't there to make up the numbers in these games. They're there to get goals and implement their style of play on all teams, which seems to be working as well. It's, you know, woe betide anybody coming up against us right now. I think there's a, a flush of confidence, but more importantly, a flush of understanding and knowing through the team, which is why we're dominating so much. Right, let's go back then and look at, you know, the matches. Four league matches took place, uh, three European matches. And... Fun thing to look back on as an old form win at Parkhead. Of course, they're becoming fairly routine at the moment. Uh, you know, it just seems to be the way of things this year. But Stevie, the best thing about this match was uh, all of us. You know, you and I talk every day, and 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 we were confident and we were worried about how confident we were because we were like, no, we're we're going to win. We're going to go there. And I think we're going to win, and we're going to win. You know, probably quite straightforwardly. And we went there and we won quite straightforwardly. Yeah, we certainly did. Uh, we were as comfortable there or in an old for match that I can remember. Um, as comfortable as I think we've, we've ever been, certainly, in my time. But even with five minutes left, David, I was still panicking. We're too deep, we're too this, we're too that. And in reality, you know, watching it back, as, as I tend to do, uh, we were very, very comfortable. They obviously didn't have any shots on target or anything. But... Um, that just kind of it sums up how well drilled we were. And aside of one um, slight defensive mishap, which is the only issue I have with with the defence, is sometimes I think we get caught square with a through ball. Now that through ball that Griffiths went on to that day was the exact one that caught us in Benfica, and I do think that that's a, a slight issue that sometimes we we get caught on that we need to watch, but. Aside of that, it was an extremely straightforward performance. I thought Goldson was excellent, and it was nice to see him get, um, you know, some of the headlines and praise because I think that he's one that's kind of taken his game up, up a level. 
um, the likes of James Tavernier and, and, and others have done that, but Goldson's certainly been one, so it was nice to get for him to have his moment. Yeah, I was delighted to see that as well, CJ, but it was the manner in which Rangers did it that we turned up with a plan, executed it superbly. Um, I think everybody won their individual battles. And then, you know, understandably, at 2-0, Rangers then said, OK, we've done our bit. We've got a big game on Thursday night. We kick <laughs> off our Europa League. Not genuinely, you know, we've got... Yeah. So we've done the hard work. We're 2-0 up, and we don't think you can hurt us. And they were right. I, that, that's just the confidence they've gone into these games. Now, I think the, the fear factor and the mentally scarred Rangers teams of the past going into these games versus Celtic are long, long gone and almost forgotten. Uh, maybe a wee reminder going into the game, something to put up in the dressing room, but at the same time, as these are a different set of players under Gerrard. They've matured now, as we mentioned earlier on the podcast, and they're going into these games and not one of them lost a battle again. 11 for 11, they won their individual battles and everyone ran their heart. Even Barker, who obviously came on, he was... He was a bit of a question going into the game, but he still stuck to his task. Maybe not as much going forward, but defensively he was backing up his fullback and just really shutting down uh, the lads. I can't remember his name for AC Milan for for them, but I was just really impressed with just how we're going out and setting these games in the aggressive way that we're setting the tone right away with the first challenge. I think I think the first foul in the game was Barker on Scott Brown, <laughs> and I just, and I like that. I like that we're going out there just it's like. The times before going out there, setting the tone, and then just saying, "Right, we're going to bullies," and we did. Yeah, I, I think that's a key point, Tommy. That the fear factor, which has not been there for teams against us, understandably, is returning. Um, you know, you, Hamilton, you could see five minutes into that game, <laughs> were desperate to get off the pitch because they knew what was likely to happen to them, and it's the fact that it then does happen to them that helps, but the converse of that is that by removing that sheen a little bit from Celtic, by showing the rest of the league, I mean, Aberdeen got a point against them, for Christ's sake, that's epoch-defining stuff, um, and I think that for me that, that our success against them and the way that we're doing it, it's not by nicking a point, it's not defensive, it's not a keeper having a great game, it was by showing up at their ground, dubbing them, looking like they're much more confident and assured side. And I also like the celebrations at the end of that, the, right, OK, business, job done, couple of high fives after pitch, big game on Thursday. I think that all of that helps in terms of feeding an impression of, oh, wait a minute, this Rangers team is, is seriously heavy duty. And also the converse of that is, whereas we can get this Celtic team, yeah, I mean, just when you thought 2020 couldn't get any wilder, Aberdeen go and take a point. Uh, yeah. Obviously, I'll take, no doubt, bust everybody's coupons, uh, I would imagine. Uh, but, but you're right in terms of it's you know, Emperor's New Clothes or Feet of Clay or whatever way you want, to, you want to say it. By showing Celtic can be routinely dominated, then you're hoping other teams in Scotland take take note of that and, and try and try and get after them. Because I think they've had a relatively easy ride last couple of, couple of years. Um, the Hamilton game was a really good example of us saying, no, we're we're going to go after you as well. And you're absolutely right in terms of, I think, five, ten minutes in, those boys were, were you know, thinking about pulling up with hamstring injuries and signaling mm-hmm. to the bench. Uh, they did not want to be there, uh, other than for maybe some selfies. Um, and they wanted to get away. Going back to the, the the old firm game, I think one of the key points there is, not only did we, did we boss it, and you know, I don't take any of the the comments that were there about a weakened you know Celtic team or anything like that. You know, maybe Odson Edward, notwithstanding, because he is actually a reasonably good player. Um, but I think it was the the manner, and CJ touched on this as well. 
for me, it's the way that Rangers are turning up to these games. And a small shout out to the mentality of James Tavernier, who's had a lot of that scar tissue. And I'm delighted to be seeing some of the some of the goods the good times now. But it's the manner we rocked up, which is not only do we know we can beat you and we fully intend to, but we're going to set the parameters of what you're allowed to do on your own pitch. And that's the big difference for me because Rangers were by and large never in trouble. Maybe that through ball from uh, that, uh, that Griffiths got on to, um, notwithstanding. But they were pretty much put in a sandbox of we'll allow you to have the ball. And I think some of the stats in terms of possession bore that out. Celtic had 50 odd percent or whatever, Rangers less, obviously. Um, but Rangers were just comfortable. Yeah, you do that. We'll score a couple of goals. By and large, not break sweat. Show you how to get bossed in your own place. And yeah, we'll move on to bigger and better things. It was that ability, and that's not to you know uh, denigrate or discount the amount of work that goes into that on the training ground and on the pitch. But I think that was the big key difference. It didn't seem like a hassle to Rangers that everything was in place. They knew their jobs. They knew the parameters that they would set for Celtic, and Celtic couldn't do anything about that. That's the real sea change for me. Mm-hmm. Celtic, we are trying, but they just couldn't do anything about what Rangers were doing to them. No, I'd agree with that. And I think that it is, it's is—it's not simply about the victory. It was the manner of the victory. Mm-hmm. And you can see the effect that it had in Celtic. They haven't recovered yet. The, the, the fact is that they've then sort of stumbled across the rest of the month because it was such a savage blow to their to their confidence. But it was important Rangers didn't let up on that, Stevie. We had Livingston the next week. Not the most glamorous fixture in the league you'll ever get. But the manager was able to make changes. Rangers were two up by half time. Job done. But I want to move on to the match after it because to me and to you and to, to the the boys on the show, and I'm sure to other listeners, this felt like a litmus test. This was a match that we were all looking at weeks in advance and saying we will find out about this Rangers side that day because of the way that we've struggled, and we have badly, badly struggled at rugby partners. No getting away from it. Some awful performances down there. Kilmarnock have made life far too hard for us for what they have, but we knew we were going down. Shit pitch. Kilmarnock side that's bang up for it. I think the manager pointed out that some of them, uh, I think we can crack his code when he said that they might not be Rangers fans. Um, <laughs> and we we knew, uh, speaking to Bears, I was the same, you know, looking ahead to this and going, you know, this is all well and good, but that's the big test because we've struggled so badly. And, and for me, the, the most gratifying thing about that one was Kelly didn't play badly. Rangers weren't at our fluent best. It's hard to be on that part, but still. But we got the job done. We did what we needed to do. We got out of Dodge with three points. And I think that the impact on both players and supporters of that result, okay, yeah, it's only Kilmarnock, but even so, that felt like a really significant victory. said to you before it, and I said it after on, online, that um, I didn't care how we did it that day. Um, I don't think when you go to a place like Rugby Park, maybe similarly when you go to Livingston, um, these pitches are horrendous. It's all about three points. I don't care how they perform. I don't care how they do it. I don't care how they manage it. Um, Three points up the road, nobody injured um, because we know that pitch basically cost Jamie Murphy his Rangers career. Um, and, and subsequently, I don't think Jamie Murphy has recovered from that injury. I don't think he looks anywhere. No, that's fair. That's fair. Um, so when these games come around, David, I'm not interested in a, a, a free-flowing, you know, three, four goals, whatever. I just want three points. 
and that day they ground it out. And sometimes when you're going for um, titles and when you're trying to be successful and everything else, that these are the games that mentally you have to get over because if we're all thinking like that, there's absolutely no doubt that the players are also thinking like that as well, oh. saying to themselves, well, this is a challenge, you know, th- there will be some kind of mental scarring there as well. I would dare say that that game was probably harder for them as a collective group than it would have been, you know, going to Celtic Park. Um, because Kilmarnock, you know, sit in, ground, ground out kind of possession. And, oh, yeah. And, and just watch. Oh, aye, it's just the, the long ball up all the time, and it's it's very difficult. Um, but we, you know, we obviously we managed to get the three points up the road, and it, and it was, it, it seems silly to say it, but it was a very huge victory for us in terms of mentality and and the kind of character and growth of the club, to, or or the players rather, or the squad to say that right, we managed. That's another hurdle we can we can tick off and and now keep powering on. Yeah, CJ, Stevie touched on a point there that I think is important, that these small tests, right, and nobody's kidding ourselves on about, you know, Kilmarnock or whatever, but it's it's a test. And there is no magic bullet to get to be in a championship winning side. There is no one thing. You can't swing for the fences. Uh, you see it, right, if you want an example right now in England, it's Manchester United, isn't it? Oh, we'll make this signing and everything will be all right. It doesn't work like that. <laughs> no. You have to build... And you've got to, you, you can't just go out and spend X amount of money on a player and you can't just say, oh, well, we'll change to this system. It's about these small tests and ticking them off because it builds in the squad. Yeah, or, you know, look, well, we had to do that and we did and we had to do that and we did. So going to Parkhead, handling them the way we did, no problem. Following it up, done, no problem. Kilmarnock, done, no problem. All of these things add up. Oh, absolutely, mate, and that's what you—that's what you need. Um, you kind of get the old mentality of one game at a time, and as long as you keep winning your league games, you know what's going to be coming at the end of the season. But I like the focus that Gerard's got. Whenever he's asked in the press conference and stuff like that about the future and oh, how do you feel about this position, he always brings it back to the next game, and I truly believe that's in the players' uh, minds. They look at every game as a cup final. Tavernier said that the lot. I think it was last week. Um, or the week before, every game is a cup final for these players, and that's the mentality that they're having there to win these battles. And I can, I, everyone just kind of touched on it there about the Kamarnock game, but that was huge for me. I was so nervous that entire game. Know that the fact that I think that Kamarnock can hurt us, but just with everything that's happened in the past, and you know, what I mean, even with a late corner or that, if they were getting, I was like, oh no, but we were just defending so, so well. <laughs> and see, when they, every time they got a corner, I went off. Oh, oh, no. Here we go. That's the scaring. That's uh, exactly it. Uh, but I was just so proud of the way we defended and we got the job. Tavernier stepped up for the spot in that game as well. But I, it's, it's just the, 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 the mentality of this Rangers team seems to be you now they aren't going in worried about what's to come. There's no got any pressure on them. They're looking at the next 90 minutes. Let's win that. Let's win our individual battles per game and the results will follow. And so far this season, that's exactly what's happened every game. Building blocks, yeah, totally. Um, I think you're spot on there. It's, it's about just building up this platform that we can yep. achieve success from. And then, of course, you know, we wrapped it up with that victory against Hamilton. Some wonderful <laughs> football being played, Tommy. And also the introduction of a, a new player, Bongani Zungu, come into the side. And that game, to me, it was very interesting because before it, I was sitting looking at, you know, what team would I pick? And genuinely did struggle a little bit because I, I, I picked my midfield and I went, oh, actually, no, I've left it him and that's not fair and I should put in, I can't fit them all in and it'd been a long time since I'd 
I'd felt that way. Yeah, there's a really good, uh, I think it's one of the themes that's running through this podcast, isn't it? We've spoken several times about the the ability to turn to the bench and, and know what's there. Just, just for to answer that, just go back to that Kelly point for a second as well. I think one of the deep frustrations that certainly I'd felt, I don't know about other fans as well, was that we had fallen into Kelly's trap so many times in that yeah, they, they, weren't doing anything, they weren't doing anything surprising to us. But we continued to fall for it, and by and large, we didn't play amazing that day either. But once my uh, once my heartbeat had stopped uh, doing a kind of techno um, uh, tribute, and it got back mm-hmm. down, I was quite glad of the way that it kind of panned out. We didn't play particularly well. Terrible conditions, tons of pressure in the last you know five ten minutes, and we saw it out. That kind of momentum is you know really really important, and that brings us back on to the Hamilton thing. Yeah, I mean Zungu looked. Extremely, extremely impressive. Got a goal for South Africa the other night as well. So I think Zungu's uh, passing was uh, was obviously great to see. We're over uh, the top for Ryan Kenny, etc. Doesn't do it justice. But you're absolutely right uh, in terms of you're looking through the squad and you're thinking there's a really, really strong ability to, to change the team to freshen up. Again, without any uh, drop in ability and or drop in desire. And that's probably something we've not quite touched up on in that these guys are getting a chance for a jersey now and coming off the bench and desperate to show what they can do. Some of the, the last stages of the Hamilton game definitely showed that. I, I you know, slight slight feeling for the Hamilton guys because they were getting battled from, from pillar to post. But as a kind of final capstone to that as well, it shows you with the right level of analysis behind the scenes. Uh, and I know this wasn't your question because you were concentrating on Zungu, but with the right level of analysis, the right clear plan, you don't have to spend millions and millions to catch teams and overhaul them and build something that's really impressive on the park. And that's probably one of the the greatest high points of um, Steven Gerrard's reign so far um, and that he's been able to put together a team of not a lot of cost basis, which is really, really performing to a high standard. Yeah, definitely. I think there's a money ball element to, to Rangers' business that I think players mm-hmm. are signed oh. for their ability to do specific things. Yeah. Um, again, what you need, and again, you know, I always look down south for examples because it's so close to us. And, and yeah, it's a different financial level. But if you look at what Liverpool did, they built over four or five windows. And I think as fans, we've got this tendency to think, right, well, over four windows, you get some players you need the first one, some players you need the second, etc. But it doesn't work like that. It's sometimes you get a player for the long term and somebody who'll do a job temporarily. And then you know, they need to, and sometimes players don't work, so there's a little bit of trial and error and it takes a wee while, but I, I can see us getting there, the fusion seems seems about right at the moment. Stevie, let's move then on to, to Europe, which is the most bizarre thing, because all of us, I think, at the start of the season said, ah, well, Europe, you know, it's a bonus this year, it'd be good to get there to get the finances, but, you know, domestic takes priority, and of course, we we got through the qualifiers very straightforwardly. Some excellent performances, Willem and, and Galatasaray. And then into the group stage, off we go to Belgium. Um, they decided they would spice it up a little bit, the Belgians, by getting us to play underwater, which which was novel. Um, under You're a ref, Stevie. Uh, that people might not know this. Stevie's a professionally qualified referee. He, he, he does referee. I, I, if that had been a normal game that wasn't on the telly, wasn't in the middle of a season where it wasn't Europe, so it's very difficult to replay anyway, and wasn't in the middle of this there are no gaps COVID season. Um, tell me, that pit, pitch was unplayable in the last half hour, wasn't it? Yeah, I think if it had, <laughs> if it been, yeah. if it had been in that condition um, before 
like maybe 30 minutes in, I think the game would have been called. Oh, but 100%. you do get to a point in, in a game where you, you are mentality and mindset is well, we're, we're out now, so we're finishing this. And I think, I guarantee you there was a wee guy for UEFA at the side going, just you get fucking done with us. I basically, you know. <laughs> um, but I think that's what, what made it um, just as impressive for us. I mean, we adapted again um, and we looked comfortable. They didn't. Um, you know, and there was that, that led to the old internet cries of, you know, Sevco even even get you know, the pain <laughs> for us. So... <laughs> I always kind of rounded off by, you know, a, a, a tap-in by Kamar Roof. So, yeah. yeah. Which, I, which I, I mean, I would agree with Stephen Gerrard is, is, is possibly the, the best goal I've, I've seen for Rangers in terms of quality. And, and I said to you, David, I'd taken the kids down to, to Sandrum Castle in the caravan and um, and, and me and the, and the missus were, were watching that basically on, on our phone because we didn't have any other way of watching it and when that goal went in the old caravan was rocking mm-hmm. back in the old Andy Gorham days <laughs> <laughs> it was uh, it was unexpected you know it, it was one of those ones though, when he was doing it and you thought right you know just keep take it to the corner and yeah. when he hit it I immediately said out loud oh that looks good because it just looked the trajectory yeah. of, of it and everything else. As soon as you hit it, I thought that that's gonna that's there and thereabouts. I didn't expect it to go in because it basically dropped in the net, like past the line, and the accuracy of it and everything was incredible. And I'll be amazed if that goal and I know a boy scored a kind of free kick uh, the following week, but I don't An think illegal that, An illegal free kick, yep. yeah. Yeah, I, I don't think that you know, Roof took on three, four players exactly and, and then had the the skill and ability to, to do that as well was just an incredible moment. But overall, again, that night, I, I just thought we were so resolute. I thought we were so organised. It really was a Michael Beale masterclass in terms of how we were set up and how we were drilled. And, and again, Calvin Bassey came in that night for Borna. He was tremendous again. Um, you know, the centre-halves, everything about it just excellent and you can't fault them it wasn't it wasn't again it wasn't like um you know a flashy performance in terms of hamilton it was a well drilled uh, well set up resolute performance and they got exactly what they set out to get um capped off by a moment of, of just sheer brilliance we then went on to Lech Poznan at home, Lech a good side, but this to me was quite a telling match, CJ, in terms of where we are uh, in Europe and our reputation being enhanced over the last few years, that they completely changed the way they play when they came to play Rangers. They don't play like that normally, but they adjusted their tactics to try and stop us. Uh, and for large parts, to be fair to them, it worked. The, the, the two teams that were... You're both good on the ball, both technical, but kind of cancelled each other out because they had changed their normal play. So they didn't have quite the attacking threat they normally have because they were concentrating on stopping us. And it felt like a game that one goal would win. And, and when Rangers got it, it was an absolute peach. Uh, just a, a ball so beautiful from Borna that I oh, want to put lipstick yeah. on it and date it. And then Alfie <laughs> with, if you want a dictionary definition, thumping header, it That's was it. that one. But to me, the the... the you know, the, the, the interesting thing at that match was I was like, oh, here's a team now that are actually coming and saying, 
and this this has not happened to a Rangers side for a long time at this level in Europe. We need to change what we do because if we play them at, at their normal way, they will gub us. And I thought that it was an interesting sign of respect from from Leg Poznan and maybe quite a telling thing about where Rangers are considered you know, out with Scotland. I think you've you've nailed it when you say the respect because that's definitely what they got coming into this game and like you said they they didn't normally adjust it. We talked about that in the preview. They normally have one set way of playing, but they turned up at Ibrox and it was different. They were actually had people tracking back in the wing back positions. They were trying to double up on their full backs and that just normally doesn't happen. They normally always just gone forward and it was actually pretty I suppose if you want to say it was a pretty back and forth type of game but still that's another game of football even though they had 10 shots they didn't get a shot on target that's how well Rangers still defended but in terms of their reputation in Europe I think it was the Benfica manager that says that the, that we're pretty much um, it's going to be us and them going through in the group and that's kind of him talking up how good this Rangers side actually is and we've had obviously managers and uh, European knockouts say that we were a Champions League side so I think there is definitely a change people aren't looking at Rangers saying oh that's an easy game now they're looking at Rangers especially at Ibrox saying right we need to adjust their tactics or they'll just beat us at our own game because that's what we do at Ibrox, uh, Ibrox sorry, and especially in Europe we take whatever they normally bring in we normally sit in and then counter that and hit them on the, the break. And I, I just love the fact that, yes, it was only 1-0. It wasn't like a, like a smashing or anything like that. But that game right there was, was just so impressive as a fan because you got to see a European side, a good European side, by the yeah. way, actually come to Ibrox and go, right, we need to change. Yeah, and for me, that, that, that signalled a, a bit of a change. We then go to Benfica. I don't think, Tommy, that a lot of us were, you know, too overly expecting. They're, they are a Champions League side. They've spent oh. Champions League money. They are a very good side. And for the first 15 minutes, uh, I thought, oh, because they played us off the frigging park, right? Not, not, not one Rangers fan, I think, would would deny that. We, we you know, concede a stupid early goal, the normally ever so reliable Phil Elder, who has a, just a complete Melted. nightmare. Aye, just yeah. a terrible night. But we get back in, you know, the great long ball over the top, Ryan Kent um, gets hauled down, they go down to 10 men. And then for an hour, Rangers proceed to turn into Real Madrid circa 1960. It was <laughs> astonishing. Rangers battered them. Now look, yeah, 10 men. Absolutely, right, get it, no problem, 10 men, it's a factor, you can't deny that it's a factor, but you still have to then go and do it, and you still, and I don't think we would collapse against a side going, even in the 10 men, uh, Villarreal a couple of years ago speaks of it, Rangers were just immense for an hour, and then contrive in the last quarter of an hour to oh. completely shoot ourselves in the foot, it was a wild, wild game of football. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, you know you just reminded me of all the different component parts of it. To be honest, you know, breaking out a cold sweat. But yeah, yeah I mean, I'll, I'll be you know quite honest. Before the match, I, I didn't think we would get anything from it. I thought Benfica at home would be uh, by far and away the toughest test of the group, and they are a really, really, really good side. Uh, and they'd obviously had taken like Poznan apart uh, in Poland as well. But then, as you say, you know. You, you get the sending off. I think it was uh, it was Otamendi, wasn't it? Uh, pulling back, pulling back Kent on the run through, um, and you think, hold on, okay, one 0 down, but this changes the complexion. And, and we all know as well as you said there that really good, well drilled teams don't fall apart. Ten men, they know their shape. We've got it as well. They get back inside, they, they get really close, and they they can generally manage a game. 
Um, it's not the old style where you know everybody's chasing the ball and there's massive gaps or anything like that. I think the frustrating thing was we did play extremely, extremely well to take advantage of those gaps. We pulled Benfica apart in several places, playing through them, getting over the top, getting in behind, all that type of thing. And they were genuinely struggling with us for a large part of that game. The real frustration for me was, I, I take the OG at the start to one side, right? But the Silva goal, and I think it's Nunez, who looked like a player, uh, who scores the, the last one in the dying seconds, is that it's us that's cost it. You know, these aren't worldies, for want of a better way of putting it. Um, not a phrase that I managed to dredge up that often, to be honest with you. But, you know, we just shot ourselves in the foot. As I said earlier, Holander's had his, his version of Goldstein and Spartak night, where he's often an extremely good reader of the game and gets himself his body shape into really good positions. He has a bit of a nightmare, particularly with the, the second one, the silver one. Um, a couple of attempts at it and doesn't manage to get it out from under his feet uh, and then we let them back in and then we had a couple of chances which we didn't take and then ultimately you get to that last you know two minutes and you're thinking hold on to the ball you know this isn't Liege nobody needs to score a, a worldie you know um, or anything like that you know Arfield tries to play a through ball and I'm not blaming the individual player but then there's like fantastic you know, pass uh, through, and I think CJ said earlier on that he sometimes fears that we're open to the to the you know when we get square on and balls through us. Well, that was a case in point there because the two centre backs aren't close enough. Helen uh, and Goldson ball goes right through. It's a lovely finish, but it shouldn't have happened. And when you get to that point, you're thinking, oh wow, we're about to take three points here, six out of six, having went to Benfica. You'd have ripped people's hands off for that before the game, but with the way it played out, yeah, you walk away with a little bit of a bitter taste in the uh, in the mouth. That said, if that's our only gripe over the past seven games, do you know what? That's not a bad place to be and you might just very well be in amongst the trophies come the end of the season. So, aye, it's, it's one of those ones that, a bit of a scratch of the head moment. It's not often we perform that badly at the back. It wouldn't be Rangers if we didn't have one thing. <laughs> Give it to Stevie. <laughs> he's choking. <laughs> he's choking on her. He's, he's, he's not only had to be uh, cheery for two episodes in a row completely, but uh, so much so that it, it, it made him ill uh, having, to hold, <laughs> having to hold this in. So, but COVID will affect every team. We accept that. Everybody has to accept it, especially with the farce of international friendlies being played, which is, you know, we, we spoke a little bit about last month, but a disgrace. But every team will have to live with the effects of COVID as the world has to live with the effects of COVID. But Stevie, one thing that I think we can ask of our players not to do is if they come back from international duty and they have COVID, that happens. If they are playing a match and an opponent has it unknown to anyone and they get it, that happens. If they turn up at a party on a Sunday night uh, and then, as far as I can see, were prepared to, had they not been caught, waltz into training on the Tuesday without cracking a light, then I think we've got a right to be angry with them. And I'm talking, of course, about uh, the COVID idiots, uh, Jordan Jones and George Edmondson. Your thoughts? Uh, my thoughts are that both should never play for the club again. Um, sorry if that's harsh and, and people will disagree. I didn't really have much to say about it at the time because you could be reactive and I'm trying not to be reactive um, or overreactive to, to certain situations but 
my anger um, over their selfishness hasn't changed. Had they have, you know, went into training and, and done all that, then I don't think there's any way that the government wouldn't have taken the opportunity to to have another swipe at, at football. Oh, yeah, um, through the book at them. Yeah, not necessarily Rangers. I'm not going to go down the route of, of because it's us, they would have jumped on us. I, I think it's because it's it's football and, yep. and they'd already spoken out. They would have been forced to again. Um, but what worries me more is that we're in such a good place that these people would, these players would put their season in jeopardy to do that, um, I think is unforgivable. There's been issues with Jordan Jones before um, with other players and incidents that he's had and it's not worth really kind of going into, but I think he's definitely burned his bridges. But I'm more disappointed than George Edmondson and I know George Edmondson's young and um, he's he's just a young lad and everything else, but he had a real opportunity to, to kick on in terms of where he was last season and how he finished and as, as, as effectively first choice before the, the, the lockdown happened. He had a real opportunity to kick on and he hasn't done it. And and people are going to moan about what I'm about to say. Um, oh, but, yeah, right. Go on, go on. <laughs> right on this. That's, she, that's always a good sign. Right. See, when you see stuff online from the likes of Lana Wolf and all this nonsense, right? Talking about George Edmondson and everything else. And I get it. I'm, I'm 37. I'm an old guy and it, it doesn't bother me and everything else. But see, when you then see George Edmondson following her and and there's a wee bit of interaction between them and all that. I'm not interested in that. I don't want my players behaving like that. If you're going to do that, do it when it's not in the public eye. I'm not interested. And when that happens, and then he goes and buggers off to a party where it's his girls that have got like only fans and, and everything else, and he's posing for photos and this and that. I'm not interested in that, David. This is too important a season for us, and we're too big a club to have we guys being we guys. I don't have time for it at all. If you want to behave like that, then then fine. Look, you're a young lad. That's no problem. You just don't do it here. Neither of them, in my opinion, should play for the club again. Um, I think George Edmondson, Edmondson has a slight chance in terms of he's not got the history that Jordan Jones has. But this is where I want to slightly twist it and praise somebody else because in the summer, Brandon Barker was basically told, you know, the same as Jones, you've got to grab your opportunity now and, and take your opportunity. Now, Brandon Barker, in my opinion, has knuckled down. He started to show effectiveness in, in certain games. He, he's scored a few goals. And I don't think he'll ever be a first-team regular starter, as in, like, here's my living, I would put Brandon Barker in. But what he is capable of doing is being a 16-18 to 18 player in terms of squad-wise that will bring maybe 7-10 to 10 goals. And these are the guys that win championships. So when you've got one guy like him prepared to knuckle down, take his opportunity, work his bollocks off in training by all accounts, and then you've got another who's prepared to just throw it away, I know who I would rather stick with. And I know that people are going to listen to this and think, oh, you know, this is his opportunity to be grumpy and all that, then fine. But um, I just, I, they could have ruined absolutely everything that we've built so far, and that for me is unforgivable. Stevie had uh, mentioned something there that really struck a chord with me, CJ, and that's that at first when it happened, my natural thing 
with players is you know, you, you, you have your initial angry reaction and then I try to calm down a bit yeah. and look at it with a wee bit of distance and, and I, I do have, have sympathy for, for young guys who are uh, make bad decisions because I was a young guy who made bad decisions so I get it and and you know the somebody said to me at that age yeah we've got a party where there's you know loads of attractive ladies of shall we say um, I don't know how to say this politely um, the type of girl who's prepared to get her rat out on the internet for money then <laughs> I would have thought of all the ways you know, that I thought you were going to approach that there, David, nope. that's not the way. I am not no. judging them. I'm sure they are very, very nice young lazy. I'm not a hypocrite. I have, um, uh, you know, utilised the service of naked ladies in magazines. I'm so old. Never mind the interwebs. So this um, is becoming a totally different podcast. To I like this. But this is a you, podcast. Like you it. brought up porn stars. You brought <laughs> up porn stars. Uh, although uh, I, I said that about the young lady you referred to as like she's a porn star and a guy I know who has far more interest in that sort of uh, oeuvre than me said oh she's not a star I'm <laughs> oh, sorry <laughs> <laughs> he's like no no she's, she's a star but uh, uh, actress then but yeah no, like, I get it right there's loads of balls do you want to go to a party yeah I'm fed up with this lockdown maybe frustrated I'm not getting a game so I, I wasn't at first year, I was like, I okay, but then I found my anger wasn't going away, CJ, and the reason for it was you would have gone to training. Yeah. You almost. would have risked everything we've been building for the last few weeks. And that was when I went, I, there's self-harming yourself through your behaviour, and that is one thing. Um, but then there's, you were prepared to damage the rest of your teammates' hard work and their sacrifice of living in the bubble and and following the procedures and through no fault of their own because you couldn't do it, you were prepared to do that. And that's the bit that I struggled with because I I, I don't feel my anger particularly receding even with time over that. No, it's, it's one of the things that the mayor you actually think about it, the mayor annoyed you actually go, because yeah. as you've said, and as Stevie says, um, they would have went into training, and then if that had came out, just say they had been training for a couple of days, then the story came out, and everything like that, um, it would have still affected the squad, because we'd had to have done this, and this, and this, and then who knows, going into the next game, what squad we could have even been able to put on the actual park, and I just think it's unbelievably selfish, and I think about it from this way as well, is we're annoyed as fans, can you imagine being in that dressing room, running mm. your heart and soul and fucking putting that amount of effort in, Dane Everhan, putting yourself in this position, taking all the knocks, playing hot, playing injured, coming back, and then you've got two guys kind of in the outskirts willing to put all that at risk for a diddy wee party on a mm. Sunday night. Uh, and when Gerard's actually gave people time off because of how much hard work they've actually put in. I just think it's, I honestly agree with Stevie, as hard as it is, um, I, I just don't see them playing again. George Edmondson, you could maybe make a case like you said, that his young laddie, we've all made mistakes trust me, I've, I've made many but it's just one of the aliens that I just didn't think how you could go into that locker room after that and just explain to them that you were willing to do that and put all their hard work and that's where I think the issue is really going to come from. As fans uh, just say George Jones comes on the last minute, speaks 10 players and scores on 90th minute winner, there'd probably be a wee bit of forgiveness there but I just think as, as players on that park you would look at that and just be like I can't believe he's willing to risk that for a stupid wee party. Yeah, that's that's it, exactly. And and I know how I'd feel if I was in that dressing room. 
Tommy, can I just uh, sorry? Can I can I just say as well the fact that I've actually heard Stevie say OnlyFans, Lana Wolf, and I've heard you say uh, right out on the internet. That's sort of saved 2020 for me. I just wanted to say that. <laughs> I'm sitting here pretending that I don't I, I don't know who Lana Wolf or any of this type of OnlyFans stuff is. So I would just like to go out there in case anybody I know listens to this. <laughs> yeah, I, I, it kind of annoys me that I know all of this, but you know it's. Uh... Because I mean, I, I, to be honest, I don't really know that you know the war's finished. To be honest, and then, uh, it, but this thing has entered my consciousness, which I think uh, says says a lot. But yeah, you know, Tommy, are we being a little harsh? Is it a case of just saying that, that you know the the daft boyness Scottish excuse got played a bit? And my take on that is Jordan Jones is what twenty six, twenty seven. How? Uh, how long do you get to be a daft boy? When? How many scrapes do you get in before people say, "No, that's not naivety. That's you." Yeah, we're definitely not being too harsh. Uh, so you know, calls tied round the mast and firmly stapled on. The two of them are done, uh, and they quite right they should be, and they should you know get to the rocking chair age and look back and say we had a great opportunity at a massive, massive institutional club. And we absolutely blew it because we fancied, you know, partying with some girls. It would be, and Jordan Jones, we've spoken about this, Jordan Jones had baggage. He was given a chance to get to, to Rangers and perform. By and large, he's never taken it anyway. And George Edmondson's the disappointment one because he seems like a keen young lad and he's a pretty decent defender and there was a, a space for him, particularly when you look at injuries to people like Nikola Katic. But... And if he wanted to rehabilitate either of them, it would be it would be George Edmondson. But I, I whilst I get the argument uh, or the counter argument of young lads, youngish lads, because you're right with the Jordan Jones element, youngish lads who it's difficult circumstances, global pandemic, etc. They've made a, a bit of a, uh, a mistake. Although that doesn't get them out of the fact that if they wouldn't have been caught, they they would have just sailed on and put everything that the club's been working to, not just this season but all the seasons beyond, in jeopardy. That buys them absolutely zero forgiveness from me. So you know, drag them out and uh, strip them of their, of their of their contracts if you possibly can, and get rid of them. Otherwise, in a sense, we'll be trying to sell them in January anyway. But it's the point that we're not talking about an infraction here. So when you say, or, or any of the guys are saying, um, or anybody listening is saying, "Oh, young guys, and and they've made a mistake," and you know, p- p- that happens. We're not talking about coming back late from a international game or turn up to training drunk or um, messing about with another player's misses or whatever, right? Uh, none of which I think is nice, by the way. <laughs> I don't think they're all you get progressively a lot worse. Screw, I think, screw having you as a teammate. <laughs> okay, I might have bought your misses, but, you know, at least I left alone your daughter. You know what I mean? That's my Monday in the office. Right, <laughs> <laughs> um, so... What I'm saying though is that you can generally, <laughs> I might want to fill that out actually in future, right? But you might want to, you know, you can get round some of that because it's, you know, whatever. Um, with this, there's a global pandemic on. The protocols have been daily, almost hourly, given to these players. They know everything that's at stake. They know the transferring of, of the virus potential, etc., and what that means for self isolation and therefore what it means for the squad and the team and playing games. And they put all that in the bin for what is, by and large, you know, a little bit of slap and tickle maybe um, at, at, a, at a party. There is absolutely no way that you can reflect that back and say, oh, do you know what, we give them another chance. No, if their brain cells are in short supply, then that's their problem. Rangers are bigger, 
the jersey's bigger, what we're trying to achieve is bigger. Best of luck. It's a really sad, sad moment for everybody, but you're gone. That that's it. There's a hard line drawn, and if we ever see John Jones or um, George Edmondson in a Rangers jersey again, I fully imagine it will be them, you know, doing some sort of legends, you know, cash grab because they shouldn't play for the first team ever again. I think you just have to respect the rules, respect the club, and respect the fans. Whether you agree with everything that's gone on and everything like that, just you've got rules set out there for a reason. Just respect the club enough to actually just follow them, and they didn't. So that was it. And the deceit and the duplicity part is the is the big kicker there. The fact that they wouldn't have held their hands up and said, "By the way, Gaffer made a bit of a mess of this. Really sorry. Haven't come in because we've done this, but we want to protect the bubble." They wouldn't have done that. They get caught. Uh, I was about to say they get caught with their trousers down, right? But that's maybe not the best phraseology. Um, Probably. <laughs> let's let's just move swiftly past that. <laughs> um, but they get caught, and that's the only way they came out. So they would have put the team in jeopardy, and by extension, they'd have put people's lives in jeopardy as well. You yeah. know, this is, a, this is a killer disease. There is no way you can then mea culpa that moment or discount it down and say, let's give these guys another chance. Some things are just irreparable and they can try and rebuild their careers at other clubs. Well, all I'd like to say is that, uh, as essentially a Victorian gentleman, that uh, the, the, the type of nakedness that I consider acceptable is a lady showing a little too much ankle. Uh, which is, uh, I, I think, you know, yeah, hardcore, hardcore Presbyterianism rules uh, uh, down here, and uh, don't want people offending my Victorian sensibilities. But, but yeah, uh, I, look, and I know that some people have said that Aqua, you know, they're just young lads who deserve a second chance, and that's that's cool. If if you think that, me personally, I don't, and it doesn't really matter anyway, does it, lads? It will come down to what the manager thinks. Yeah. He doesn't strike me as a guy who's particularly forgiven about things like that. So I think that the point. That the boys have made about the teammates will will probably be key because I think you know the manager spoke about that. He said the leadership group, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. and I think it will come down a lot to that. Um, but no, the, I the think he was seething, David. Oh yeah, God, he had that silence. Yeah, he had that would... silent look that he gets when you know he's about to, you know, murder somebody. I think as well, and this is you know something that that's been put forward that, and I really personally dislike this but i get where they're coming from which is the well what if it had been borna and alfie well it wasn't <laughs> yeah but what answer. if it had been yes but it wasn't but even so right but what if it had been would they be treated differently probably let's not pretend that doesn't happen in football let's not pretend if it had been edward rather than ball and goalie that there would have been a different reaction from celtic that it's it happens football has always been a meritocracy Alex Ferguson said that he cosseted two players in his entire career. One was Eric Cantona, one was Cristiano Ronaldo. He didn't do it for Luke Chadwick. You know, it's it's football. It happens. So I don't get that argument at all. If it was me and I was a squad player who was struggling really on the fringes of the team, I'd be trying even harder. You know, my behaviour would be even better to try. And and then you, you toss in the thing that, you know, you can't even say, well, they're footballers and they're being asked to do things. You know, the young guy's been asked to do it. Who hasn't sacrificed in this year? You yeah. know, people can't see their family. We're all talking now about Christmas. It, we're all going through this. And nah, not for me. Well, even, Any, oh, sorry. sorry uh, on, I was going to say, uh, even a guy like Greg Stewart, he's had even less chances than both Edmondson and Jordan Jones, but he is the ultimate professional. Never late for training, works hard, keeps his head doing 
he respects the rules, never goes out of place, and he doesn't get anywhere near the park. So I don't think you can say, oh, it's because they want to get involved. No, you just got to be professional. There is professional players there. I have a friend, Stuart McCall, if he's listening, who does believe with all his heart that Greg Stewart will do an Andreas Felicka for us at the end of this season Ooh, and like will come into the side and he'll get out of nowhere and he'll get like six and six games and help oh. propel us to the title. I like that. I like that. I'm not Whoa. sure I agree Whoa. with Whoa. that. <laughs> but he is he loves Greg I mean, he loves Greg Stewart to the point where a team will be announced and you know how people always list the team first before you get the subs? Yeah. And Stu's first question is, is Stuart on the bench? And you're like, oh, <laughs> even if he is, it's just to give him a seat. Come on, he's no, you're not going to see him. Um, but oh god, I hope he's right. You know, I hope yeah, it'll be a nice same. squad for the boy. Uh, but uh, but we shall see. Right, gentlemen, I thoroughly enjoyed this. It's been a, a really excellent show. I think you know, be modest. The listeners will tell us if I'm talking piss. But I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, can I hear a little bit of plugging? I think you've all earned it because. I'm going to do it as well, so <laughs> don't feel bad about it. Stevie, where can people read more from you? Just the usual. You find us on um, Twitter, um, at 4 lads of the dream um, Usual kind of weekly ramblings from myself. But we've also, David, we've also started um, doing some coverage of the women's game. Um, got a, an excellent new start, a girl called Rhianne, Rhianne Clark. So she's writing a wee bit about the women's game and also um, Gary who's been a cartel who basically loves um, Bongani Zungu oh. and, <laughs> him going on about it. He, he's doing a wee bit on, on kind of tactics and individual stuff which leaves me to kind of ramble away and I've always kind of given a more of a kind of view from the stands type thing so I feel that it's a more kind of rounded um, kind of output that we've now got from the, the, the blog which is something I I really wanted to do, and you know, it's a it's a lot to 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 do the blog all by yourself. So it's a nice to to have that. So that's kind of where we are. Um, podcast wise, we're on episode twenty eight, which is coming up in the next few weeks. We'll we'll go to thirty at the end of the year, and then the the podcast for four lads will stop. So um, it's just kind of you know you'll find us online. You find us just typing four lads in a dream, and up it comes. So. Nothing, um, nothing overly exciting coming, but just just the usual consistent um, kind of outgoing, and I hope the the team continue as well. We need to talk about how you do your plug, Stevie. Nothing that exciting coming up. <laughs> I was going to say, I was going to say, that's, <laughs> ah, you can be that's an unplug. I'll look at it if you want. Just it, you know? I don't feel well. I don't leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> just make up something, David. I'm, I'm doubled over here. This month on OnlyFans, only four lads had a dream, fans. You can catch up digitally with Stevie. CJ, I mean, if people are listening to this on your site, they already know about it. But for those who don't, where can they find you? Well, if you want to see a wee bit more, and I dare say C, by the way, because I do a lot of videos and probably annoy you that way, but it's at CGNovo992. And like Stevie is... A couple of right wee hangs coming on. <laughs> none, none special. <laughs> You're bored one night, you know. Just, uh, just, just fire, fire a video up sometime. I, I love that. That's the most Stevie fucking answer I've ever heard in my life. Absolutely love that. And Tommy, where can the gentlemen and ladies listening to this catch up with more from This Is Ibrox? 
Well, it's hard to follow those two. Oh, yeah, no. Stella, Stella promotion, Ed, 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 Stella, to be honest. Vince McMahon there at the start, I know. It's, uh... you know you're still awake between the hours of four and five in the morning <laughs> and uh, and you can't get to sleep, then you type in this is ibrox.co.uk um, or find us on Twitter at this ibrox. Uh, well, I feel I should just be in keeping. There's nothing exciting going on. <laughs> <laughs> there's just stuff out there on the web you might very much enjoy our recent uh, so the weekly podcast there's blogs etc but you might very well enjoy our recent um interviews uh, conversations with kickoff magazine or um south african journalists uh, and indeed dean Furman talking about bongani zungu his history his journey to get to, to rangers uh, those are probably really interesting but yeah i feel i should just shrug my shoulders and keep in line with everybody Oh, stuff's happening, by the way, guys. Just carry on. <laughs> That's fair. I've, I've got a slightly different plug in the, you know, you can catch up with all of the stuff we do uh, at Patreon site, patreon.com forward slash heart and hand. Uh, we do charge, so it's only one ninety nine per month, though, with 50p per week, and you get up to five shows every single day. However, I don't actually know what all the shows are anymore because it's sort of growing into something that's a wee bit beyond my control. And people will say to me, oh, I really love that show you did about X, and I'm like, nope, all right. <laughs> Don't, no that idea. sounds like something your lawyers crafted for you there, David. Oh, um, no, there, there are, yeah, there are definitely things that uh, I, I'm not except, but, but you know, somebody said, oh, you, did you listen to that show? It's brilliant. Uh, and I was like, was I on it? They went, no. I said, well, I don't listen to them then. I only listen to stuff I'm on. Love it. Um, love it. Oh, well, come on. You know, it's, love it. At least you're on it. I love all of my podders, but if you go and see Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers and it's just the Heartbreakers, you're a bit disappointed. That's all I'm saying. Okay. Go and listen to Trevor Stephen. I did listen to I, I listened. There was a brilliant episode of our show, Moments That Matter, in which you got to hear an excited uh, Stephen Clifford. Not so much about it. Trevor Stephen, who he loves, but about his musical choices, which are not... Yes what you would think they would be. That's all I'm going to say. Stevie is, and people think I'm taking the piss when I say this, and I am not. Stevie is one of the presidents of the UK Space World Spice Girls fan page, right? That is a fact. I think we should restart the podcast now and just lead with that particular piece of news. Are you, Stevie, that should have been your plug, mate. That should have been your plug. I, I I haven't given up hope of seeing his OnlyFans when he's wearing that UK mini dress that Jerry wore at the Brits all oh, those years. No. Oh, I'm oh, never sleeping now. Oh, That's my part. Oh, We've got that gosh. to look forward what, to. Excuse so. me, what do you mean, oh no? <laughs> I rock that bad boy I'm sure, I'm, I'm sorry Steve I'm sure you do mate but that's been never sleep ever again yeah, well, I I all I'm going to say Let's CJ go. is there's no chance of there's no chance of us becoming to become one that's oh, all yeah. well, if you want to spice up your life you know what to do just go and check out their website uh, what uh, I really want to say because I can't right now is to bug it off so thank you for listening to the four of us having a lot of fun I hope you had too we will be back next month and last month we joked and said well you know we'll probably not be as happy uh, so I'm going to do it again uh, well we'll probably not be as happy over to you now girls take care everyone stay safe bye bye
Apple Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.